I got to tell you, this room looks much better today than it has over the last couple of months. And uh, <clears throat> as you can tell, I'm going to probably fight my emotions today a little bit, but ah, I'm so glad to see you. Thanks, guys. Um, I am proud of our church. Um, you've done a good job of continuing on in giving, reaching out to each other, um, leading in so many ways, um, even with the physical things around here as a church. I don't know if you noticed this morning or not, but the carpets are clean. There were ladies here cleaning your chairs. Um, yes, things, and uh, the grass is cut, and just so many things. I, I probably miss some things that have been going on, but you kept going, and you kept hanging in there as a church, and so I am <clears throat> immensely proud of you, and so thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, <clears throat> it means a lot. Maybe I can straighten out here if I get in my message and get in my chair. So um, this is the Bob Hepikowski chair, just in case you're wondering. Uh, they're away today, so that's why they're not here with us. But uh, I tease Bob about it. But um, it'll also keep me centered a little bit, and uh, they're videoing, so it'll keep me from moving around and staying in the, the picture. But we'll see how that goes. Um, this morning, we're going to continue on in our study of Malachi. Uh, it's an interesting prophet. Uh, it's at the end of our Old Testament for a reason. Um, even his name, Malachi, means my messenger. And prophets had a, a tough job. Um, prophets, it was not easy to be a prophet. Um, they came bearing bad news quite often. Um, usually one of the things that they were telling the, the people, and in this case the people of Israel, you've been doing it wrong. You've not been doing it right. You're messing up. And if you continue, there's going to be consequences. And so Malachi has that responsibility. Also, it's an interesting time in the history of Israel. Israel is just coming out of captivity. Um, it's been a little bit of time, but they've come out and they've reestablished themselves as a nation. But they're still in a land that's not occupied by them. They're, they're overseen. They're overruled. Uh, you remember, uh, the Babylonians are the ones that took them from their homeland. So they're being under Gentile rule. And they're going to continue to be under Gentile rule, uh, even up until now, in many ways. And so it's difficult for them. And they're trying to establish themselves again as a nation. And they built the walls, so they've got their city back together. They built the temple. Ezra established that. They have found the written word, so they have that. So they have all the pieces. But if you've been following along, they weren't doing it right. You know, in chapter 1, we, we looked at some of the problems that they had with, in, their sacrifice, in, in their sacrifices, right? I called it bait and switch, right? They were supposed to be giving God the best, the first fruits. And guess what? They were given the weak, the animals that were blemished. Uh, and they were being accepted by the priest. And this was wrong. This is not what God wanted. He wanted their best. Again, it was a very serious thing. That's how they were dealing with the law and, and following God's command. Second, we looked at the relationships. Some of the relationships were not right. In fact, they were having struggles in who they married, right? They married outside of the nation of Israel. God told them not to. God knew, which he knows us, that if we stray or we uh, get attached to someone who's not of the same faith, we're most likely to go to that faith. We're not going to stay true to our own. Um, marriage is not a, a way to evangelize. Just I'll make that clear. I'll make that statement. Um, again, 
that happens beforehand. And again, marriage is very serious, and God takes it serious, and took it serious at that time as well, and saying, hey, you've, you've strayed, and you're not being faithful to your marriages. And so all that leads up to chapter 3, which we're going to dig into today, and there's a lot in there, and there's a lot to unpack. But this is one thing that we're going to, it's the title, but it's also the theme of this, is that God does not change. God does not change. It's important to grab a hold of, especially in the times that we live in, right? That we have something that is secure, that's constant, that does not move. And that's God. He stays the same. He does not change. He wants us to change. He wants us to change to become more and more like him. But God himself does not change. Uh, and this is one of the, the books of the Bible that actually points to that. And it's very consistent um, with the Old Testament in general and even in the New Testament. of How important it is that God remains the same. He remains faithful. All right, verse 1, as we dive in. Starts off with, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then come to his temple, and he will come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. All right, now, I just told you that Malachi, his name means the messenger. That's not the messenger that he's speaking about here. Again, prophets, right? You got to remember, prophets do, I, I told you, they, they tell about things that are doing wrong, they also predict the future. That's one of the things of prophets. And a good prophet or a true prophet tells something in the immediate future, but then also tells something that's going to happen way beyond. And so the messenger, who's the messenger? Who's the messenger is yet to come? It's in Matthew, if you're, which is the next book, right? Who's the next messenger? John the Baptist, that's right. Whew. See, I miss that. I miss when you're not here because I need help with these things. I need that, that encouragement. You know, it's, when it's an empty room, guess what? Nobody answers me. I, I, I'm just talking to myself. I'll ask the question, and it just kind of falls there on the floor. Right, but John the Baptist. And again, he's the one that prepared the way for Jesus. And so way back here, and this is like 400 plus years before it took place, Malachi is predicting this and letting them know, hey, there's someone yet to come. There's someone who's going to be righteous. And so that's the backdrop here. And again, he's speaking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus. And then verse 2. It's an interesting question. He says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like the refiner's fire, or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify, purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings in Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in the days gone by, as in the former years. It's interesting couple of sentences here that pull together, but Jesus comes to perfect. He is the perfect priest. And that's what it's talking about here. But he's also, there's a words of encouragement. It's like the Levites of that time, yes, you're doing it wrong, 
but you know how to do it right. You can get back to that. It's amazing to me that God doesn't give up on people, right? How many times do we give up on people? We say, ah, they're never going to get it right. They're just the same old, same old. They're never going to change, right? God gives people opportunity to change. And he's given even these Levites, even though he's condemned them, we've read that up through the first couple of chapters, how wrong they've been, and they were pretty wrong, yet they have a chance. He says, hey, go back to the old way. Go back to the way that you know. Go back and look at the law. Go back and get not giving up on you. The right lambs. You can change your course of action. Not giving up on you. But also know that there's a future where there's someone that's going to do it perfect. There's going to be the perfect sacrifice. Kind of that looking back, but also looking forward, but still having responsibilities right now. Isn't that kind of how our lives are? Isn't that kind of how we work in our Christian walk, right? We can remember things in our past. There's things that we're doing now, but then we can have hope in the future that things are going to be better. They're going to get better. And so there's great hope and encouragement in this, even though there's rebuking and, again, purifying, getting rid of those things that are holding them up, that are not doing right. Things are going to change. Next verse. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who have defrauded laborers of their wages and who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Right? He's coming He's coming near. He's coming close to make that judgment. And, and I, I always re, want to remember that God is the one that sees the heart. He's the one that knows truly what's going on inside. But also this verse says he's going to judge. He's talking about adulterers and, and, and these people that are cheating. And he's talking about the outside world. I don't have to, to take that on. I don't have to take on that responsibility. I don't have to be that judge. I, I can't see the motives of people. That's not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility. He's going to take care of that. He's going to be the one that does that work. And I love the fact that he's talking about, I'm coming near you. I'm going to, that means he's, he's coming close to the heart. Again, he's the one that can make those judgments. I know for myself, I make many wrong judgments, Right? You, know, we, you see somebody, you make a judgment you, based on their appearance or their outside. Even on what you see that they're doing sometimes, we make judgment calls. But do we know the heart? Do we know the motivation? Are we there with them very long? Is it just a, it's usually a brief period of time that we're making a, a quick judgment? But again, God knows us from beginning to end, so he knows exactly. So he's the, the, the true judge. All right, verse 6. This is where I got the title from. Again, I, I don't come up with a lot of original stuff. I really don't. I just take it from the text. It usually works out best that way. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's a title, right? God is the constant. He does not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, again, speaking to Israel, speaking to the crowd that's there, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. 
That's what I mean. God doesn't give up, right? He's giving them another chance. Now you've got to do some things. You've got to make some changes. But I'm right here. God's saying, I want you to come back. Come back to me. And again, God has been very faithful. As we know, the nation of Israel, is, since he's promised, there will always be the descendants. And they, he's kept that. He's, today, the Jews are still here. He's been faithful in that promise that he made all the way back to Abraham. But with that comes uh, the law, the, the decrees. We need to follow those. And again, that's what he is hearkening them back to. It goes on and says, but you ask, how are you to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do you rob me? Or how do you rob you? And because you are robberings, you are under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out much blessings, that you will have room enough for it, that you won't have room enough for it. It'll be just so much. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the viners and the vine, yeah, I can't even read that word right now. And the vines to your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful, says the Lord Almighty. Pastors usually pull this out of context, right? This is a great one for, for tithes and offerings, right? This is, is where every pastor is, you know, knows where these verses are. You know what the great thing is? I don't have to preach to Point Way Church. Point Way Church has done a wonderful job in, in, in tithing and, and giving your offerings through this time. And so, again, that's one of the other things that um, I've been thankful for and, and proud of. And, um, you know, Ralph has kept our books, and he's our treasurer. Done a wonderful job with that. And, again, it's been great to see how God has just blessed us and taken care of us. So, actually, though, it's a really good time to talk about tithes and offerings. Right? For me, at least, as a pastor, you never want to do it when, when tithes and offerings have been down and you're trying to, 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 to rate. No, that's not the time to learn because you're in the middle of something. It's actually a good time to, to, to learn it when, when times are good and things are, are going well. And so, um, is it important to tithe? Yeah. What, what does the word tithe mean? How's that? Huh? Tenth? Yeah, giving a tenth. Do we as believers today have to follow that? Ah, uh, yes or no. <laughs> it's good. It's not a bad answer, but, but it is kind of a yes and no answer. For tithing is a Old Testament, and it's a, a scriptural basis. Um, we generally say that for believers, yeah, it's a good place to start, but we're not under that law. Um, and I, it's interesting because it's always tied with tithes and offerings. Um, as believers, we have the freedom to give even more than that. We do. We do. And again, we start off with, it's a good training ground, it's a great place to start, to start with a tenth, but again, it's not mandated. Uh, just like it's not mandated that we sacrifice lambs anymore, things have changed. Uh, there's a lot of things that have changed with the coming of Jesus. But, even in that, is it really about the giving? Always concerned, no, it's about the heart, right? 
God is always concerned more about the heart. It's how we give. It's what we give from. It's from our heart. And that's why the tenth won't become an issue or beyond that. Because if you're just giving from your heart and, and what God's instructing you to get, you don't have to worry about it. It's not the law. It's not, the, it's not going to restrain you. You have that freedom, freedom in Christ. I think offering and tithes is kind of one of those things, that, it's one of those areas that it's a great place to, to start because it's kind of tangible in many ways, but yet it still comes back to the heart. And so God is saying, hey, let's get back to that. Test me in this. Now remember, tithing was important. It was important to give to the temple. It's important to give to the church today. They're not the same, but it is important. Again, it's not so that the priests lived wealthy lives back then or the pastor has a new bass boat. I know I joke, but no, I would not want, it's not in the budget. Uh, despite what you saw on Facebook, it's not there. Um, that's not the purpose. The purpose really is, yes, it does take care of me. It takes care of this building, but it goes beyond that. Yeah, point way, we, we do a really good job about missions and we continue to give. We support other missions, missionaries that are doing the work, right? Our influence goes way beyond these walls. It goes way beyond our Point Way church family. It has fingers in all sorts of areas. It has fingers into the community. That's part of the reason why we give. But we give also with the intent that we are worshiping God. We're recognizing that God's given this to us and we're giving some of it back. It's all his. He doesn't need it. But again, it's part of our worship. He desires it. He wants us to do it. This uh, testing um, gets taken out of context. Um, there's straight the prosperity gospel that's out there, um, the false gospel. I'm just going to say it right out straight forward. Um, again, but do we test God? In some ways we do. We see how faithful God is, and that's okay. But you've got to be careful that we, we don't do the, I'm going to put $10 in and expect 100 back. That's when we get awry. That's when things go bad. You know, whenever you give to get, that's a hard issue. That's a problem. That's not, work, that's not what God wants. And so, again, that gospel is not a gospel. It's a false gospel. And so don't, don't miss that here. But God is faithful. And again, God says he's going to take care of us, and he does that. You can bank on his promises. That doesn't change whether it's finances or other things in our lives or people in our lives. Okay, going to move on from that, finances. Um, in case anyone asked, Pastor Charlie did talk about it. Um, no. I just don't go out of my way. I use it when Scripture calls for it and when it comes up. Um, and it is in Scripture, and it is godly to give. Next couple of verses, there's a shift here a little bit. It says, you have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You've said, it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his... But now, and going about life, mourners, before the Lord Almighty. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evil, the evildoers prosper. And even those who challenge God escape. He's making the argument that they're saying, it's not fair. Can we be honest? Have we ever said that? God, this is just not fair. 
right? They're struggling with that. It's not fair. We're, we're seeing other nations doing well, and, and we're, we're your chosen. They're saying, we're still under captivity. Why, why are we not free? Why is this not right? And so they're, they're questioning God. Like I said, if we all be honest, we've all done that from time to time. We've questioned God. And, and you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think sometimes we do need to question because we need to hear that answer from God. Kind of goes back to that God is the consistent, right? He is the one that doesn't change. I also remember earlier, too, that God will take care of those other nations. And it may seem like they're prospering. It may seem that they're getting ahead. But spiritually, they're not. They're way behind. Again, prioritizing what's, what's really most important. And it goes back to the heart. The heart's important. And so he continues on that vein. And we're just going to, last couple of verses here as we wrap this up. Um, it's a lot in chapter 3. But I, again, it leaves it on a, on a positive note, which I want to do that this morning because, you know what? We need that encouragement. Verse 16, it says, Then those who learn, who, those who feared the Lord, talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Let's stop right there. Again, it's interesting. Again, he has this conversation back and forth. Again, Malachi's reiterating this conversation between God and his people. But he's saying, um, those who feared the Lord, there were some among them that said, hey, remember what? God's been faithful. God has been faithful. He has blessed us in many ways. That's one of the things that, that we've missed is that encouragement from each other, right? That's part of that worshiping together, brothers and sisters in Christ. We can remind each other, hey, God is still faithful. God is still in control. God's still got this. And we need those folks in our lives. We long for that. Again, they had the scroll. They had the word, God's word. Another thing that doesn't change, right? But that's that relationship that God's seeking after, and he's, he's bringing that to the forefront. Relationship between believers, but also the relationship with him so that we don't question or we don't speak against God or we don't do the things that he hasn't called us to do. And then lastly here, verse 17 and 18, it says, they will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasure, take up my treasured possessions. I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And just think about that for a minute. Just kind of Marinate on that, not meditate, Ryan, marinate. No, I'm just teasing. That was good. I, meditation's not bad either. But no, think about it. Resting in God's arm. God's got this. He's going to walk through you with this. He's going to hold on to you through this. He's going to spare you from things. He has compassion. Interesting enough, it's that relationship and that constant talking with God and walking in step with Him. That being near Him. Another mention here about prayer. You know, God doesn't change, but God does make decisions based on our prayers. 
I don't want to muddy the waters here, but God does listen to our prayers. I don't know how that all works exactly. I really don't. But God wants to hear from us. He, and as we pray, he answers those prayers. And I know it's according to his will, but he doesn't change either. He's consistent. But he's moved. God's heart is moved by prayer. That's another message for another time, but I wanted to, to make that, that clear there um, in this here. But there's a distinction he makes here between the righteous and the unrighteous. But he's got this. God's got us. We just need to be faithful. We need to change some of our heart things, but God does not change. And so, like I said, there's a lot in this chapter, and I hope you go back and read it and unpack it a little bit more this week as a, as a study, but just be reminded this morning that God is in control. He does not change. He has compassion and grace, and he is the perfect judge. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you. Lord, that when things are not calm or peaceful, as we've talked about this morning, that you are that constant. You are that rock. You are that person we can cling to. That you are compassionate and gracious upon us, Lord. That you are patient with us, Lord. And Lord, that we have that future hope in you. As we sung that song this morning, Lord, that you died and you were resurrected again, Lord. And that we have a hope of eternal life with you. Lord, continue to be with your people. Continue to do your work in our lives. Continue to help us to grow to be more and more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.